All right, uh, get your Bibles out tonight. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, and let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity tonight to get into your word. Thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness. Lord, we look to you for answers and for direction for our lives. And we believe that you're revealing truth to us to help us and help us to be prepared for these times in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. I want to talk to you a little bit about the last days. And in this, this particular passage of Scripture, I want you to notice uh, the language used here. Again, he said that God at various times, spoke in various ways in times past. What he's referring to there is basically the Old Testament, that in those times, notice there were various times and there were various ways. I think one of the uh, biblical errors people make in understanding what the Bible is trying to tell us is is lumping everything into one category and just saying, well, the Bible says this. And they might be quoting out of Deuteronomy. They might be quoting out of Matthew. They might be quoting out of Revelation or anywhere else. And they'd say, well, the Bible says this or the Bible teaches this. And again, it's as if the Bible were really one book. How many know it's not? It's a compilation of many books. But it's as if it were one book written for all people of all time. How many know that's not the case? God spoke in various ways, in, at, in different times to different people. But notice that language in verse 1, He spoke to them, how? Through the prophets. All right? That was the primary way that God spoke to people in the Old Testament. He would anoint an individual. Now, you go all the way back to Genesis. Of course, God spoke directly to Adam and Eve and so forth. And even after the fall, uh, God would speak from heaven to people. But it seemed to get less and less and more. It was then directed to certain individuals that God would speak to the people through. and Because the average person, they couldn't hear from God. All right? But he spoke at different times in different ages or different, uh, uh, what did he say? Different, uh, different ways in different times in the past. But notice he says in verse 2, he has in these last days, what these last days spoken to us by his son. Spoken to us by his son. So what's he talking about? Lately now, when this was written, I believe Paul wrote this book, Hebrews. He's, he's saying, but in these last days here, he's been speaking to us through Jesus. 
it's important for us to understand how God speaks. All right. The primary way that he has spoken to us, even in the New Covenant. Now, when he's writing, of course, the Bible wasn't compiled like it is today. But he said he used to speak through the prophets. And lately he's been speaking through his own son, through Jesus. All right. Should we go to the prophets to find out what God's saying today? No. There are prophets that do give us uh, indication and words from God, absolutely. But that's not our primary way that we find out what the Lord's saying. I need to go find myself a prophet to find out what God is saying. I mean, no, in the New Testament, every believer has the Holy Spirit. And it's a different time. God's speaking in a different way. And first and foremost, of course, we're looking to the written word, the inspired word, the words of Jesus. And, and really, really the words that came through the other writers are the words of Jesus in the New Testament in, in one sense. Uh, but that's first. And secondly, he speaks to us individually by his Spirit. Okay, but notice uh, the language here. We got times past. That's the Old Testament. We got these last days. That's the New Testament. And God has spoken in various ways. Sometimes people ask the question about the last days. Are we in the last days? Actually, if you want to be biblically accurate, yes, (laughs) we are. And the Bible tells us, well, Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 2. And he started quoting the prophet Joel. And he said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. He was explaining to them, what you see here, this is what Joel prophesied about. And his prophecy said that in the last days this would happen. So we know for certain that the last days is not just a week or two. Okay, the last days is at least a couple thousand years, right? Because this is, uh, you know, roughly again in round terms, 2,000 years ago. So in the big picture, God called this time in which we live the last days. Okay, everybody with me on that? The Lord has uh, always in the past, going all the way back to the beginning, moved through different dispensations of time. In other words, God dealt with people differently depending on the time in which they lived. He does not deal with you today the same way He dealt with King David, same way He dealt with Nehemiah, or even the same way He dealt with the people that were on the earth when Jesus was ministering. God is the same, but there are different dispensations okay let me give those to you there are seven dispensations going back if you want to write these down great if you just want to listen fine but the first one is called the age of innocence i'm not going to go into great detail but this is before the fall of adam and eve all right genesis 1 26 through genesis 3 and verse 6 the age of innocence all right, there was no sin, but that ended with the, with the fall of man, with, when sin came, then began the age of conscience. All right, the second dispensation is the age of conscience, and that's from the fall of man to the flood. All right, if you're writing scriptures, Genesis 3 7 through Genesis 6 7. All right, during that time, basically that was the time when the Bible said that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. 
Okay? They lived according to their own conscience, but you understand there were no laws. There were no laws set up, so people just followed their own conscience, which that can be good and that can be bad, <laughs> depending on what your conscience will allow you to do and what you know to be right and wrong. The third dispensation is human government, okay? And that's from the flood to the time of the Tower of Babel when everyone's languages were confused, Okay, this is after the flood again, the earth began to be repopulated and and man decided to set up his own government. Of course, you know, again, like I said, how that ended was God said, this is not my plan. And so one person started speaking Chinese. The other person started speaking Spanish <laughs> and, and maybe not those languages. I don't really know what languages were involved there. But, you know, all of a sudden they could not understand each other. So they couldn't work together and they began to spread out and not go contrary to what God wanted them to do in, in that regard. The, the, the fourth dispensation, did I, that was Genesis 6, 8 through 11, 9. All right, human government. Number four is the age of promise. The dispensation or age of promise. And that was from the time that God spoke to Abram. And uh, basically he began two races in the earth. There, uh, through Abraham he began the natural race and a spiritual race of course by faith. We're a, we're a part of that one by faith. But uh, th- that's of course the t- that's Genesis 11 verse 10 through Exodus 18 verse 27. But this, this is the first, the Jewish race was the first one that began by faith. In other words, all the other races began at the time of the Tower of Babel when God confused their languages and that's, where the, that's the beginning of the different races in the earth. But the, the nation of Israel began differently because it began later basically by God speaking to Abram, making a covenant with him, making him Abraham, and him having a faith child. <laughs> he believed God, right? And, uh, and then Isaac came out of him, and that was the beginning of the Jewish race. But no, notice, it wasn't just because Isaac was a son of Abraham, because so was Ishmael, right? It was because uh, of, um, basically, we could say it this way, Isaac being a believer, how we would translate it in our day, Ishmael was the heathen, all right? And, that, and that's why, why that was a, 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 a nation or a race of faith, and that became the, the, the nation that God uh, brought the Messiah through. The next, one, um, uh, the next one is the age of the law, the Mosaic law. That's from Moses until the cross. And, and I can just say this while, while, while I'm talking. Why does it matter? Well, God did not deal with people the same in, in, in all of these. Like we do sometimes, we put them all together and mix them up and try to understand it as if it's all the same thing. As if God dealt with everyone the exact same way. He didn't. Okay? You can see that. Uh, you go back to the beginning and, and of course you read about when, when Cain killed his brother Abel. Well, how many know that's a capital offense? Under the law, he deserves to die. That's a, you get stoned for that. But God protected him and said, don't you touch him. Right. Well, what's up with that? Is God different? No. 
it's a different time period. God was in a, it was a different dispensation. And like Paul said in Hebrews, God spoke at various times in various ways to people uh, in the the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Okay, let's keep going here. Uh, uh, So the law, of course, was from Moses till the cross. This is, you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Well, what's finished? It. What's it? Well, obviously, it's not the plan of salvation because he still had to finish the work. He still had to, you know, die and be raised from the dead and be seated at the right hand of God before really redemption was complete. When he said it's finished, well, that's the, that's the law, okay? That's the Old Testament sacrifices. All that stuff was done. He was the final sacrifice. He said, it's done, all right? And, 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 and that's where... Um, uh, I thought I had a scripture reference there. I, 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 I didn't. But here's that, that that time frame is Exodus 19.1 through Acts 1 and verse 26. Okay? And so, and so that's the age of the law. And then, anybody know what's next? It's our time. We're, we're, we're catching up to us. This is the age of grace or the church age. You could really say it either way. Now, now it is the church age. And that is... The time basically from the resurrection of Jesus, and that um, will last until the departure of the church, okay, or the rapture of the church. This is the church age. Uh, re- scriptural reference is John 20, verse 22. That's where Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, uh, through Revelation 4. This is our time. This is the church age. And the Lord deals with us differently now than he did with those in different time periods. And the seventh one is the millennium. All right. This is the millennial reign of Christ. It is a thousand year period that begins at the end of the tribulation. All right. That's the... uh, that's the time that is yet to come, and we don't really know what it's like other than the, what the Scripture says. We don't know what it's like to live in that time. Do you know that people in the Old Testament, they didn't have a clue about what we're living in now? They wanted to. They had a, the angels didn't know. They didn't know what this would be about, how God would be merciful and gracious. And that would be the primary way that He would deal with people. They didn't see that. And we don't fully comprehend. We do see some things but to live in the millennial reign where there's no demons devil's bound for a thousand years you know there's both spiritual and natural man living on the earth together and uh man that's wow what's that gonna look like how's that gonna be well it's coming i think it's coming soon so we're, we're gonna we can live in both we didn't give it get a little we didn't get to live under the law Shucks. <laughs> but uh, what a privilege and what a blessing to live in the age of grace. Okay. Now, uh, it goes on to, in verse 2 again here. It says, he appointed, he has appointed heir of all things, his son, through whom he also made the worlds. Now, sometimes we might think, oh, he made the worlds. That means he made the planets. Actually, doesn't refer to that. It's uh, the, the Greek word there. Um, is where we get the word eon or ages. What it's saying here, through his son he created time. 
He created the different times. And God knew in advance when they would begin and when they would end. And uh, just look over real quick at Hebrews 11. Just a few pages over. Verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's the same thing again. It's not talking about God created the planets. We know he did, but uh, that's not what it's talking about. God created these time frames. And he said they were framed by the word of God. That's the spoken word of God. And God saw ahead. And God's very calculated. He He knew when each dispensation would begin and knew when they would end. You know, he knows exactly when our time, when our, the age of the church is going to end. God knows exactly when that's going to happen. He has framed these things in by the word of God. He spoke and they're all ready to go. Someone said, man, things are looking. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Don't worry. Really, God's got this thing figured out. All right. There's nothing for us to be concerned about. We win. <laughs> We're coming out of this thing on the victory side. And it would, it would do us well to be faithful and to be ready and to be prepared for the time in which we live. But trust God through all of this that it's going to come together and it's going to work out. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Needed to lay this foundation to show you how God works in time frames. And what we know today is not the way it's always been, not the way it always will be. All right? But we live in a special time, the age of grace. But in Colossians 1 and verse 16, speaking about Jesus here, it says, by, uh, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in uh, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. And uh, c- can we see here, if we go on, it says, And he, he is before all things, and in Him all things consist, and He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. Say, say who created everything? Jesus did. You know, Jesus was the creator of all things. And he's the one, according to Hebrews there, he created the time frames. He created the dispensations and framed these things with his word. There's There's a word, I want you to look at Ephesians 3 as well. There's a word that we should be informed about that will help us now to understand our time. And, listen, our time isn't up. The age in which we live, many of us believe that we're going to live right up to the end of our age. All right. How many know that could be any minute? It could be tomorrow. Could be next week. Could be a few years off. And again, I can't tell you when exactly that's going to be. But there's a lot of signs, a lot of indications that would seem to make it close but again I don't want to speculate and and uh, and say how close that is but if we understand our time it'll help us to see what the word of God says about when this is going to end and what we can expect 
And here's the word I'm talking about, though. It's the word mystery. The word mystery. Oftentimes people think of the word mystery as, well, that just means that we don't know. That means we just don't know because it's a mystery. And I realize in a general sense that might be what that means. But listen, in the New Testament, when it talks about the mystery, all that means is this is something that was not revealed in previous dispensations, but it is revealed in this dispensation. In other words, all those other ones that we talked about, they didn't know. It wasn't given to them to know what is given to us to know. I mean, think about it. What a shame for believers today to walk around ignorance of something that people for thousands of years wish they could have known. And yet it's given to us. It's given for us to live in, to walk in, to know, to benefit from, to experience. It's the mystery. Now look at this. Ephesians 3 and verse 1. For this reason I, Paul prisoner of Jesus, of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. See that language? The dispensation of the grace of God. Now, a dispensation, again, if you, if you don't understand what I'm saying, that simply means a time period. A time period of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly already written. Notice, Paul got it by Revelation, he was given the mystery by which when you read, you, uh, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Okay, he said that, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. All right? And so we're talking here about this mystery. The way that God deals with us, I think I've already said this, but God deals with us primarily through grace. Now, now understand this. You can find, it wasn't that in the old covenant or the dispensation of the law that God wasn't a graceful God. He was. But, but the law was given for a specific purpose to show man's sinfulness, all right? So that man could see, I need a Savior. It, they were able to distinguish very clearly righteousness and sinfulness. But how many know God was still a merciful God? You can see even, what, what about King David? C committed adultery, had Bathsheba's husband knocked off, Right? David deserved to die according to the law. But didn't God have mercy on him? Yeah, I mean, he still there were still consequences to his, his behavior, no doubt about it. But God, because he, David was a man after his own heart, he repented. God showed mercy on him even under the law. And even though we're under grace, it's not that God doesn't ever give us commands. How many know he will still tell you to do stuff? He will still give us quote laws. I, hate, I almost don't want to use that term because we don't want to get into that Old Testament mindset, but there still are rules for us to live by. There are guidelines. We're not supposed to just be lascivious and ha just have an absence of restraint and just go crazy because we're under grace, right? Grace is supposed to empower us to do right, not, not just enable us to be, you know, loosey-goosey, right? And, uh, and, and so we need to understand God the way He deals with us, but in our time, 
He is dealing in grace. Amen. He's dealing in mercy and kindness, which is all because of what Jesus did. Look at this in Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, we don't want to read the whole chapter. I encourage you to in the context of what we're saying. But Jesus began to share a number of parables. And two of those parables are what we want to take a moment to look at right now. In Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. All right. Now listen, we got two things here. We've got the treasure of the earth, which would be like gems or, uh, you know, different stones or things like that. And, And then also we have the pearl. All right. The treasure, again, those type of things come from the earth and the pearl comes from the sea. All right, comes from, comes from a different location. Basically, what we have here is the treasure in, in Jesus' parables is representative of Israel, while the pearl is representative of the church. Okay? And uh, gems are something that are formed, whereas a pearl is built. And it takes time. Remember, just, just one little bitter stone, <laughs> one little annoying stone gets in there. And, uh, and that's the beginning of a pearl being made. Well, that, that one little stone, that's Jesus. All right, how many know he went into the belly of the earth, irritated the devil? <laughs> Amen. And had victory over him. And since that time, that pearl's been being built layer upon layer. Who is that? That's the church. It's you and I. And the Lord is building this beautiful thing over time. I think it's almost done. But he's been building this thing. But how many know uh, the only way to get that out is you ha- is that pearl has to be lifted out of there when it's complete. And that's going to happen soon. When the Lord lifts us out of here as the church. But what about this treasure? Well, again, uh, the treasure is uh, representative of Israel. And of the nation of Israel. And once the, the church is finally formed and lifted out, that's when, uh, you know, this treasure the whole time has been hidden. Basically, the Is- Is- Israeli nation is kind of underground right now, so to speak, as far as the gospel is concerned. But when we're lifted out, that's when all the attention will go back to Israel for seven years and time will revert the church age will be done and now the focus will come back to them all right there's another one look this will show you this a little bit more in Matthew 21 during the tribulation that'll be the last seven years of Jewish history uh, when God deals with the nation of Israel and then a lot of those folks are going to get saved praise God for that Matthew 21 And verse 33. 
Jesus said, hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruits. And the vine dressers took his servant, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize the inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He'll destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard out uh, to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He said, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. This is exactly what happened with the nation of Israel. God's chosen nation to bring forth salvation to all the earth, they basically rejected the Lord. They rejected, the, they were the, the builders that rejected the stone, being Jesus. And so God said, and they knew, what should he do? Well, this, was, this made sense. God will take it from them and give it to someone who appreciates it. Give, to, give it to someone who's going to receive it and bear fruit. Who's that? Here we are. He get, basically has turned this stuff over to the church. Okay? And, and because of their rejection uh, of the Lord, God said, well, we're going to win. Uh, so lots of people, we're going to get fruit from this amazing seed sown, Jesus. And when this is complete, of course, you know, because the church has come from every tongue and tribe and kindred and people from all around the world, not just limited to one nation. God has brought in people from all over the globe, from every nation. And when that's complete, that's when, again, the Jewish time will be reinstated. And that's when the Lord will go back and, uh, and, and, and focus on them. Now, again... Let's talk about the mystery, okay? We live in the time of the mystery. But the mystery is something that should be known by us, all right? This word mystery actually goes back, the, the Greek word there, uh, mysterion, if you care. Greek word for mustard, I guess. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's the Greek word for, for mystery, and it goes back to ancient fraternities, all right, in these fraternities, just like to some degree, like there are today and at colleges and so forth, there are certain secrets and there are certain teachings that are only made available to those who are in the fraternity. You know, sometimes people don't, don't understand why, why Jesus would make statements like, I said this so they wouldn't be able to understand. I, I, I said this in a parable so that those who are on the outside wouldn't be able to, to understand what I'm talking about. Well, see, how rude. Doesn't he want them to understand? Didn't Jesus want them to understand what he's talking about? Well, the key is 
get in the club. Key is get in the fraternity, get on the inside, and once you are, everything's opened up to you. Okay? There's no doubt. I realize sometimes while I'm teaching, there are some who come and they're not getting it. And I can explain every which way possible. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin. <laughs> Not that I really could, but <laughs> I could quote dictionaries. And they wouldn't understand. I could illustrate and tell stories, and they'd laugh at the story, and think, that's a great story, but wouldn't get the truth. Why? Because they're on the outside. And that's why when a person comes into a relationship with the Lord, the potential of all the mystery opens up to them. Okay? The Lord does keep things, yeah, away from some who are on the outside. Not going to cast his pearls before swine. Not going to share everything with anybody who wants it. But anybody who will come to him, give their heart and life to him, he will come. And now they're on the inside. And that's where we're at. And that's where the mystery can be revealed. Okay? And so, it's interesting. And I'm going to finish up with this tonight. And we're going to get into some good stuff uh, going forward, and we're going to talk about uh, the the church and the de- great departure of the church and meeting the Lord in the air and and all this all this fun stuff. Okay, but when you read the Bible, understand that there are a lot of things that are not in the mystery, and there are other things that are. Okay, in other words, a lot of end time events were prophesied in the Old Testament. They are not in the mystery. They were not, they're not kept away from someone's uh, understanding. Things like the death of, of Jesus. That's not a part of the mystery. Okay? Jesus talked about it openly while on the earth. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Those things were all prophesied. Now, I realize not everyone got it, but still, those things are not a part of the mystery because the mystery doesn't start until the resurrection. The things from that point until the church leaves, those are the hidden things. Those are the things you kind of got to be on the inside to really get. But there's even things that are after that that are are not a part of the mystery. All right? Uh, You know, Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. David talked about that in Psalm 110.10. You know, the Lord said unto my Lord, uh, sit on my right hand till I make your enemy... Uh, your enemies, your footstool. You know, the tribulation, the battle of Armageddon, the second coming of the Lord, uh, the millennial reign of Christ. All these things are not a part of the mystery. You know, say, well, what is a part? Well, things that, things that people in the past did not understand, and many don't today, things like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All right? Th- things like the individual priesthood of every believer, 1 Peter 2.9. We're a royal priesthood, right? Every single believer. See, that wasn't true in the Old Testament. Only a, only a couple people. Things like uh, uh, spiritual gifts for every believer. You know, in the Old Testament, only the prophet, priest, and king could operate in certain spiritual gifts. But now, every person in the body of Christ has the potential to operate in the supernatural, in the, in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. It's amazing. But, you know, the infilling of the Holy Spirit or a person being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the church. What is this? The church. That was part of the mystery. The new birth. How important is that? I mean, listen, some of these things, 
Even Isaiah prophesied about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but he didn't understand exactly what that was. He, he didn't get to experience that. It wasn't something he, he enjoyed in his life. It was all a part of the mystery that is reserved for our time. And some of us, we think, oh, well, that's not that big a deal. L- listen, huge deal. Let us never, ever undervalue or, uh, uh, you know, take lightly some of the things that are normal to us in, as believers. The fact that you have been translated from darkness to light. You're in the kingdom of His dear Son. You're spiritually changed forever. Filled with His Spirit, He'll speak to you. He'll show you things to come. He'll help you. He'll answer your, your prayers. You can go directly to the Father. You don't go to any priest. Man, these are amazing things that we take as, well, of course, that's the way it is. <laughs> Big price paid. So we can have it. Amen. And listen, a whole lot of believers that are saved, man, they don't even know about some of this stuff. They don't even know. What a shame. This mystery has been opened up to us, yet they're not walking in it. Now watch this. Jesus had a lot to say in Matthew 24 and different places about his second coming. But listen, the second coming is not a part of the mystery. There are things that Jesus did not talk about. The apostles did. The apostle Paul primarily and and others as well. They revealed things that Jesus didn't talk about because he couldn't talk to them. Jesus Jesus couldn't talk to them much even about the church. He said, I'm going to build my church, but they probably went, huh? I mean, they didn't understand what what we're living in. So he couldn't talk about a lot of things. It was still a mystery. They had to be born again first before these things could be made real to them, be made available to them. So when we're talking about end time things, you know, Jesus didn't talk about the rapture of the church. And I realize the word rapture is not in there. It comes from a Latin word. All right. We realize that Jesus, when he spoke about the end times, he only spoke of the second coming or the event when he puts his foot on the earth at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Say, that's why it can be so confusing when people try to go, well, is that when we meet him in the air? Is that when we're changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye? That was part of the mystery. Didn't Paul say, I'm going to show you this mystery? We'll all be changed. All right. These are things that are revealed to us in our time, in this dispensation, and we're to know about it. Therefore, we can expect good things going forward. Amen. And so as we look at these things, again, it's important for us to see when, who was talking, who was he talking to, and that helps us to see what he wasn't talking about. And so we can get straight in our minds. Is there a difference between the second coming of the Lord and the catching away of the church? Or is that the same event? And I realize when I talk about these things, there's a lot of different ideas about this. And, uh, and I'm ultimately going to leave you to make up your own mind about some, some of these things. But we're going to look at the Word of God and at least give you some tools and give you some scriptures to think about so we can know 
in what time and what dispensation we're living and what to expect going forward. And I tell you what, for those of us who are saved, some of this is really exciting. Amen. We can look at the world all around and see, man, there is trouble, there is tribulation, there is trouble, but but we're going to have peace right in the middle of it. And we're going to be comforted and we're going to know, hey, God's taking care of us. And at the same time, I don't want us to just all get focused on goody old us, but it should motivate us to get more people in the ark. Amen. Because the door is about to close and it's going to rain. <laughs> and those who are on the outside are going to be in trouble. And so our heart and desire is to get everybody in. Come on, the Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious toward all. He's not angry with you. He's not, he's not upset with your failures and your past and all the things you've done wrong. But He says, come on in. I will restore. I will save. And I will make something special out of your life. And we'll be together forever. Amen. Amen. Well, next time, we're going to get into 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and look at some uh, valuable truths concerning the church. And where we're going from here. Father, thank you tonight for your blessing, your hand in our lives. We believe that you're, you're showing us things to come. You're answering our prayers. Lord, you're faithful to be there for us every step of the way. Lord, we believe that you're equipping us to, to be knowledgeable of the time in which we live. So we can recognize signs of the times. And recognize the things that you have revealed to us who are on the inside of this deal. And I thank you for your help. Thank you for your instruction in our lives. In Jesus' name. Father, I do pray for any person tonight who's not on their way to heaven. I ask that you touch their heart.